Hi, I'm Irene Yanku, and this is my podcast. I have spent my entire career in dentistry learning. Learning about new technology, techniques to better my clinical skills, and now I'm a practice owner and leader. In life as a learner, I've noticed my truest love for learning has not been about teeth or what material is best to use for a core buildup. It's been learning about people in our dental community. The educators, scientists, clinicians, business owners, and advocates, their stories, their lives, their why, and their what's next. Getting to know them as humans, identifying how they work, what their rituals are, while highlighting them as the true trailblazers in dentistry. And that's what I do here on the show. So hold on to your suction. It's about to get slippery here on the Tooth or Dare podcast. But with all the things that I do, I internalize a ton of stuff. So How do you, you deal see, with it all? You just I, do. I just do. I, I'll, see, I'll say something that I probably have never said this to somebody. Are you tired of feeling like a contortionist after a long day working in clinical practice? This message is brought to you by our sponsors at Designs for Vision, who are offering you a 45-day free trial of any of their loops. But I strongly encourage you to try their ergonomic loops called Infinity View. Say goodbye to your chin down, neck cranked, poor posture, dental procedure and practice. All you have to do is go to their website, submit a form in order to get your rep to reach out to you, get measured, and get your loops and then you get 45 days to figure out if you like them or if there's anything that you want to change you can just send them back but i don't think you will so buckle up get ready to rock the infinity view loops and say hello to a life filled with joy comfort and amazing posture thank you designs for vision for creating these beautiful loops i can't go back to my old ones ever dr paul Feuerstein. Hello. I don't. Oh. I feel like I want to call you Dr. Paul, but I also feel like I need to be official. So I've never just call been, I've you never Dr. Been Paul. I've never been formal in my life. Really? <laughs> thanks for being here today. <laughs> thanks for we've, having me. We've been in many uh, interactions with one another, but never sitting on this podcast platform. Interactions. Well, I mean, like, you know, show floor stuff and uh, a couple me, of Zoom don't me, meetings. Don't get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the last time I saw you... Chicago Midwinter was last year. We were at the GC event. Yep. Um, we sat at the table at the back. Who was there? Bob Marges. And oh, a number of people. Chad Duplantis. Chad Duplantis was there. So we had the same crew that was there this yeah. this year, but I didn't see you there. I, I was on my way, and I got waylaid and never made it over there. Oh, well, we had a very deep conversation about your hair. That's, that's and correct. And at one which, point... Which is kind of messed up because of this headset. I know, but I'm sorry. And at <laughs> one point, there were multiples of us giving you a head massage. And then I think you <laughs> took a photo of it and you sent it to your wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was the only female in the, in the, in the circle of friends there. You know what? After all these years, I've been doing these meetings since 1970-something. Yeah. And um, <laughs> she just says, don't even show me this stuff. I'm <laughs> she doesn't care anymore. No. So let's let's go back. Let's go back in time a little bit. I want to get to know you as a as a human before you became the 
I mean, icon and uh, leader that you have become in our industry, a beacon of light at times, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? I grew up in New York City. You were born in New York City? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I was actually born in officially born in Brooklyn. Grew up in Queens, New York. And then uh, went to undergraduate s- a school called State University of New York at Stony Brook. And Stony Brook at the time, this is in the 60s, was a very rebellious school. And we did a lot of um, protest marches and all sorts of things. You know, got on TV for a few things that we did on, that weren't very nice. Uh, this is and in college already. You've already college, skipped yeah. through all of the beginning years. Take me back to the beginning, the beginning years. years. Like, do you, do you have any siblings? Yeah, yeah. I have uh, two two younger brothers, and um, we're all in the music. We're all musicians. My whole family's musicians, going back to my grandmother. Oh. So we all have a innate talent. It's just the, the, we, we were blessed with this talent. So any of us can go to a piano and stop playing just by ear, by ear, and just by looking at the keys and. Um, um, I took it further. I went to uh, woodwinds, uh, cl- clarinet, saxophone. I actually had a college scholarship on bassoon. No way. The reason they gave me the scholarship was because I played the bassoon. They didn't care how good I was. I'm going to be completely <laughs> ignorant right now and say I don't even know what a bassoon looks like. It's this big, long thing like this. Okay. It, it's kind of like looks like a look, big tube. And there's a little tiny reed that you... Is that the one that has like a little dampener that nope, where you... Nope, nope. No? It looks like, it looks like, it looks like, it looks like a giant like tube. Sa- okay, like a saxophone almost, but nope, it doesn't bend? Nope, nope, nope. It's a straight tube. It's uh, it's like a big piece of wood. Okay. big hollow piece of wood with holes in it. You just play it. It's very classical. A lot of you'll, you'll recognize like from Peter and the Wolf, if, if you ever remember that. There's a big bassoon character. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that, that's, that's un- that was my... Growing up, so kind we all played. What kind of kid were you like? Were you were you the rebellious kind, or no, were you no, kind of I the nerdy very, one, no, or the very, quiet one? Very nerdy. Uh, I was an expert as, as a kid in math and science, and uh, all my schooling was through um, was tracked through math and science. So this is ages me. I grew up in the fifties and sixties, so at the time the United States was fighting with Russia, and so the government, the U.S. government, said we have to find some brilliant people. To, to fight the space race. So they What's tracked... the space race? It was, it, was this, it was the race to get into outer space. To get, oh. to get satellites up and things like that. So they were looking for, for young kids who had scientific talent. And we took a lot of tests. There were things called IQ tests. And yeah. A group of us, including myself, were chosen to be the top brains, the top nerdy brains. And um, what they did was they tracked us differently through school. So my regular school, my, my public schooling, first of all, they said... You don't need to go third grade. Just go right to fourth grade. And then high school, they said, just do seventh, eighth, and ninth in two years. You know, we don't need a lot of stuff. But they gave me a concentration. So you skipped three a grades lot, yeah. in total? Yeah. Wow. And the problem is I was a very, I was very young, mm-hmm. and my peers in my classes were two or three years older than me. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even in puberty. And my friends were talking about stuff. I'm going, what? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? So it was very, very challenging growing up. Um, I graduated very, very young from, from high school and then went to college. College I actually did four years, and I was one of the youngest graduates of that college. And then when I went, to, I'll, j- I'll just jump real quickly, to dental school, I was the youngest person in the whole dental school. Hmm. So, you but and I have the same story. I've skipped two grades, and I was the first person to graduate. I graduated college before I was even legal. Yeah, so that, that, that well, yeah. Oh, I, was t- I taught high school. I, I was, after college, I was teaching high school. I just turned 19. I was at my homeroom was 18 years old, and I was the teacher in age 19. 
Wow. But uh, no, but the, so through music. Did you have a lot of friends in school, being so young? No. And I mean, Close. It sounds my like friends were the nerdy friends. Right. We just hung around together. So so what so what the problem was that through college, actually high school and college, because I was tracked by this by the government. Um, I wasn't taking English. I wasn't taking humanities. I wasn't taking anything. So all my undergraduate stuff, including college, was all science. What were your social skills like? None. Yeah. None. That's why they don't skip kids' grades anymore. No. It was, it was, so I'm making up for it now. I'm, I'm like this crazy kid now, so I'm catching up from <laughs> the back end of the whole thing. And your parents, <laughs> what were they like? Um, normal, nothing, nothing. My father was a CPA. Yeah. So um, he was a nerdy accountant. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. I mean, he, I always loved. He take. I go to work. He, I would work with him in the summers, and he worked in Manhattan, so we'd go into Manhattan. And he, in the old days, they had these ledger ledgers where you had a bunch of numbers. Yeah. And he'd go like this with his finger, seven, he three. He just <laughs> He just. He was like. He was like a computer wow. when he read the numbers. Um. So yeah. So but but I've always had this this musical sidebar. Did your dad have the musical side or was your no, mom? No, it was all my mom. And my, and, and she's, my mom is now 90, she's just turned 97. Wow, happy birthday mom. She's old, really old, but I was at my brother's house and he handed her one of these little portable keyboards and she started playing do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
think about them as humans. Like they, they almost have this like stoic kind of um, way of living where <laughs> like we don't talk about what upsets us and we don't talk about those mornings where you don't want to get out of bed or th- where you don't talk about just wanting to set it all on fire and give up. Like well, the problem is, I mean, I... I and that was normalized for many years. But with all the things that I do, I internalize a ton of stuff. So when you, you see me, with it all? You just I, do. I just do. I, uh, see, I'll, 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 I'll say something that I probably have never said this to somebody, but I'm a kind of, I'm a kind of a character in dentistry. I mean, I have this out, kind of outrageous hair and all this stuff, stuff, and I'm pretty flamboyant. And I think over my lifetime, I sort of created this character, and I became that character. Yeah. And which is fine. I mean, it's fun. So, so I can. It's like getting up in the morning. Be turning. I'm a clown in the circus. So I get up in the morning, and I become this other person. And and every dentist does this too. Right. With when patients. you walk into when you walk into the office, you turn everything else off and say, "Hi, how are you?" Yeah. Was, you know. And then and then at the end they go, oh. "Yeah." You know. So that, that that's just that's just human nature. Um, but I'm so distracted. I have so many things running at the same time. I don't have time to think about what's going on. So I just keep moving, so moving, So if, if you moving. were to turn on that switch and become Dr. Paul with the crazy hair and the <laughs> Tweety Bird lapel pin, <laughs> who would you be? I would probably be playing guitar in a subway station somewhere. You think so? You'd just be like the hobo running around, like just, just yeah. doing something for yeah. fun. And, I, and I, had, I had a big stage career. I had a, a, my, my biggest... Challenge of my the largest challenge of my pr- career was when I was a junior in dental school. I had a very good band, a really good band, and we played all. I was in school in New Jersey, and we were playing in New York City probably three nights a week, hmm. and we got picked up by Decca Records. I don't even know what that is. It's a record company. <laughs> it sounds like a big deal the way it's you said it. Well, and I was they, like, well, they, they had the what who, is that? They had a lot of classical stuff. They had a band called The Who. You probably have heard of The Who. Oh, I've heard of The Who. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, brought, they, were, they were going into the rock business. They hired our band, and they, they uh, we recorded in their studio and did a nice, uh, a, something called a 45, which is this logo that I wear all the time. What is it? This is oh, okay. This little pin. This little pin and my tie. It kind of looks like a... Like a what are those spinning tops or something? No, they were the 45 records. People listening know this. What's like going the on. smaller records. And it had a big hole in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in order for that big hole to fit on your record player, yeah. you put this little yellow thing into the center of it. Oh, it it's also on your tie. Yeah, Look yeah. It's, at co- that. it's called a 45 adapter. I wore this tie one time because my wife gave it to me. And then I came to a meeting and they, everybody said, Where's your tie? I go, What tie? The one with the hole, you know, the yellow things. I go, Oh. So ever since then, I just wear it at every meeting. It's I mean, expected it's of me. It's perfect. It's now your personality. <laughs> That's interesting that you, you know, you're right. You're right that we do that in dentistry. And we, we have to like turn on this switch and off this switch between each patient. Yeah. Like you have to change your personality for and, and, every and human. You see and, interact, and interact with your staff too. And, and everything has to be all nice and wonderful well it doesn't have to be but i think we make it (laughs) because we think that that's what you know showing no emotion is normal and don't allow like not allowing your personal life to interact with your professional life unfortunately is is what it should be yeah And, and then you know people i had a boss once who used to come to the office and take out on us everything that happened to her at home and that kind of sucked it was pretty toxic yeah, it, and it's, it's easy to say to somebody leave that leave you leave it at the baggage. door yeah right and, and when your phone's beeping and someone's calling and you're getting bad news but it's interesting that you say that you know you do that even when it's you know you come to a trade show and I, i'd love to like 
know who you are on a Sunday afternoon when you're like not Un around dental people? Well, unfortunately, I've set up my life so I have I practice dentistry three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm the editor in chief of this giant magazine, Dentistry Today. That's a seven day, seven night week. Yeah, well, I know. Project. I get emails from you at three a.m. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and then and then I'm also coming to shows like the Chicago Midwinter or other shows and teaching. So at least once a month, I'm away. So. I'm always preparing for the next thing. So, so I've, it took me a long time to prepare. People don't get this. I had to do two, three-hour lectures. It probably took me uh, 50 hours oh, to get more. these things ready to go. So that was my spare time on Sunday. I'm watching the Super Bowl and tweaking my, tweaking my PowerPoints and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, you know, but I, it's too many things. I have too, I'm involved in too many things, and it's just my focus because I, I want to do these things. Yeah. I don't need to do these things. I mean, I'm seeing these patients because these are my patients. I've had these same patients for almost 50 years. You've been practicing for 50 almost years. Almost 50 years. Wow. I th maybe same I th practice. Do you remember what? It's do you remember when you you went to? Let's we jumped forward already, but let's talk about dental school. Where did you go to dental school? A school called New Jersey College of Dentistry, and they changed it to University UNDMJ University of Dental Dentistry and Medicine, New Jersey, okay. which is now Rutgers. Rutgers. Um, okay. Yeah. We had a very, very, very tight. We came out of this. This is funny. We came out of the '60s, so we rebelled against these standards of the school. So, one of the one of the first things that happened to me was before we went to school, they said you have to have your hair cut a certain way. Your sideburns have to be over here. I go, what? I I've, I've been protesting for four years about against all this stuff. So I get into dental school. Myself and a friend named Jeff, and we said we're going to grow a beard. And we're going to grow a beard. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to let our hair grow. And we got a lot of crap from the staff, from the from certain faculty members. Because you weren't tightly cleaned. No. And, and, they, and they made and So the problem for me was that they were picking on me, the, these professors specific. But what it forced me to do is I had to be really good. Yeah. Because I, I, I had to be able to. They can't just throw me out of school because no. I had long hair. And so I had to be very, very close to the top of the class and something like that. I was not at the top of the class. I had some really smart guys with my class. Mm. But, you know, we, we did very well. But that was a, that was a challenge to, to, to balance those things. And eventually we went over and I ended up having got my beard, got my longer hair. And, you know, and we tried to change the face of the whole dental school. In, in, uh, Just a 19, bunch of hippies running the dental school, pretty basically. Well, it wasn't all the class. It wasn't the whole class. Just a core, little core of us. Core group of hippies. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be friends with the hippies. I think that that would be a cool core group to be part of. You know. Okay. And then, and Do you remember your first job? In dentistry? Yeah. Oh, very simple. Um, when I was in dental school in New Jersey, I had an opportunity. Well, first of all, this is kind of crazy. In the dental school, I used to work with the administration because I was an expert on just doing stuff. I, I, I can't, you know, just, just administrative stuff. And something called a computer shows up at the school one day. <laughs> okay. And I, my undergraduate at Stony Brook was computer science, computer programming. I was, I was taking engineering classes, physics classes, um, uh, math. So this, was, so this computer thing shows up at the school. They go, what are we supposed to do with this thing? I go, oh, let me show oh, you how it works. Beep, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we did some stuff. So I was playing, like, tic-tac-toe with it and things like that. And so as I was working as a, as a student, the administration would have me come in to do little tweaks in the office. So when I graduated, they said, do you want to go to practice? I go, of course. They go, well, well we could use you in the office, so why don't you do like a pra do practice and you could work. We'll make you the assistant assistant dean. What? Go, Immediately after graduating, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you were the assistant, assistant the assistant, assistant dean. assistant dean. Stop so it. I go, so I go, wow. And, and I, was, I was crazy in school too. So the best thing is, was that so when, it, when the 
semester started, they said, Paul, you have to wear a tie. Oh, no. I go, a tie? Me? I don't own one. <laughs> so so in Man- I was in Jersey City. You take a special train into Manhattan. There was a store called Tie City. Okay. Three for a dollar. The ugliest, ugliest ties. Three ties for one dollar. Three ties for a dollar. And they were horrifying. There was paisley and all these green. So I bought a bunch of these ties. And I went into the clinic. And the dean goes, what the hell is that? It's my tie. Goes, That's not a tie. By the end of the first week, they said, get rid of your ties. <laughs> and the other fun was I'd walk up to my old professors. who were My professor a couple of months ago, you're fired. You're fired. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had the opportunity. But, I, but I, I didn't like it because I wanted to be a dentist. I really did want to be a dentist. So I found a practice to buy in New Jersey. Yeah. The guy was retiring because the practice wasn't doing well. He decided to sell it off. So I did this due diligence, and he realized that the practice was actually very valuable. Oh, so wow. he, he reneged on the whole process. Huh. I, was, I was ready to go. So you were a business owner <laughs> basically right out of school. You started this practice right away? Well, I, I, was I, there a, I could buy it. He decided not to sell it. Hmm. So I, I had friends up in Massachusetts. So there was a company called HealthCo. It was way before Patterson and all these other companies. And um, so I, they said, call HealthCo. And the, the guy said, what do you want? I said, well, I want to be an associate somewhere. He said, I got great news for you. Hmm. This dentist just had a heart attack. Great news. Someone wow. just died. Wow. wow. <laughs> okay. He didn't die. No. He says, oh, he didn't, he didn't no, die. No, he just had a heart, heart attack. attack. Okay. He said, so, the, you know, the office needs some help. And so they, they said, come on up and you can get an interview with this guy. And I interviewed with this guy. The, not that, that yeah, the guy yeah, with the heart yeah, attack. Yeah, yeah. This other guy. Sure. And he says, yeah, you know what? You know, we, you know do you know what you're doing? I said, I, I no, no. I've idea. just got a school. So don't, it don't matter. Just, you know, come on in. And you can see patients and we'll show you what's going on. And end up, by the end of the... They ended up staying there, and actually the guy that the guy I worked for retired, and I kept that practice, and that was my first practice. So I bought actually bought the practice for like 500 bucks or something mm. in, in uh, probably after I was there for five years. Oh, wow. And so I, I developed this very, very good practice, and it expanded to a certain extent. I actually ended up with two offices at some point. Everybody does like all these different things. Yeah. And uh, I built a very, 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 very lucrative practice, but the key to me was patient inter- interaction mm. these were not my patients these were my friends yeah. and to this day I still have my first patient ever and families so I have families three or four generations of families now and the thing that always made me feel good is if I had a pa- patient who got married yeah. the spouse came to me Yeah. so it built 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 so I probably at this point in my career I probably have at, um 600 active patients who are still my core patients. Okay. So the short story is there was a certain point in my career where I was getting a lot, very, very busy doing... So is your office closed on Thursdays and Fridays? No. It's still open. Do you have an associate there? Oh, the, 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 let me back up a little bit. Oh, okay. Up. We're backing up. Sorry. Yeah. At that point, it was 600 patients. That's what it is now. No, I should have backed up the story. So I had the, this practice. It was a very good practice. Yeah. At a certain point, because of all this, my extracurricular activities, oh, yeah. I'd be at the Chicago Midwinter meeting and the compressor dies in Boston. Oh, I'd yeah. get a call. They go, hey, what are we supposed to do? So the associate said, you know what? Why don't, why don't I buy the office and you can just work for me? So yeah. that's basically what we did. Oh, okay. Smart. And yeah. So and it, it, it takes a little it, less, it less didn't, of those stressors. So as here. practice transitions go, it did not go very well. Certain things happen. Mm. Um, and so I ended up taking, I said, you know what, the heck with this. And I ended up leaving that practice and I have a friend down the street, literally, and he had a room. He said, Paul, I got this room and I 
I, to this day, I'm sitting in this room, this one room. Yeah. But all my patients came with me. Oh, well, um, that's good. That's yeah. good that you were able to. And, and so those over. of you who are saying, well, how do you do that? You know, what about non-comp and all yeah. this stuff? It was it was a very complicated situation, but I was able to do that. I was able. I could not. I was able to you move into solicit. this office. I didn't solicit. Right. They just followed. Exactly. They just found out. Exactly. Yeah. They sort of found out because the new practice, the practice owner yeah. said, if we're looking for Paul, he's over here. Yeah. <laughs> he's down the street over there in that room in the back. And so, yeah. And, and, and the, the challenge I'm I have now. Have you ever watched Better Call Saul? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the show? Better yeah. Call. Do you know when he like he goes and takes a room in the nail salon? Yeah. yeah and yeah. he has his legal practice in the back. I'm envisioning you like Better Call Saul no, leaving a, that office and finding no, a room no, it's somewhere. Actually, it's actually a great practice. It's very, very <laughs> Good practice, a very good practice owner, very good fr good friends, but they don't care what I do. I mean, actually, I can't be that blasé, but sure. I'm I'm am seeing I'm not under the structure of a practice. But the beautiful thing for me is I'm practicing dentistry. The way you want. I have to. no administration. I have no payroll. I have no, you know, AR. No no HR. Whatever yeah. that is. I mean, I'm, I'm involved, but it's not mine. So who assists you? I have my assistant who was with, she's been with me now for, uh, wow, I don't want to say how old she is. We let's say let's say over tw over 25 years. Let's wow. just say that, but at least that. So and she's, she started, She was your assistant out of birth. Okay, so she's only yeah. 25 years old. <laughs> okay. But the. How did you manage? Like, I, just, I just have to, I have I have to talk about her though. I haven't. Yeah. Because, okay. Tell me about her. She's me. Hmm. She has my brain. We're working on a patient, and one day, well, we, not, just a couple of weeks ago, we were working on a patient, and she's, she's just giving this funny look, and she stops for a second, and she pulls out a burr and hands me a burr. <laughs> I'm thinking, how did she know that, that my burr was lying? Yeah. You know, that the, the diamonds weren't as, as robust as they were. Yeah. She's, she's 10 steps ahead of me, and the, and the patients, the same patients who have been with us for all these years, are upset because sometimes she's, she, she has other jobs too. Where's, her name is Carla. Where's Carla? Did something happen to Carla? How could you work oh. without Carla? <laughs> but um, what's the secret to keeping an employee for so long? In my practice, my original practice, I had employees who were with me from day one. So I had an employee who was there for forty years, thirty years, mid twenties. I think the, the when we when we sold the practice, there was probably one person that had only been there for fifteen years. Why is it? Because it was my family. Everybody was my family. I was not the boss. We all worked as a team. And this is a, an interesting thing I'd like to present to the people who are listening to us. Everybody has these deals. They say, oh, you could give, give, give these certain benefits and do this. Yeah. I could give $10,000 to an employee on, Jan on, January, on uh, December 31st. And by the middle of January, they go, whatever. Huh? Every year, with the exception of one year, I took my entire staff, no matter part-time, full-time, to the American Dental Association meeting. Hmm. Wherever it was, San Francisco, New Hawaii. Orleans, Philadelphia, Orlando, everybody came on my dime within certain reasons. They worked very hard to, to double up in rooms, find the cheapest airfares. And when you come down to it, it didn't cost me more than probably, if it cost me $500 a person, that was a lot, right? Yeah. And to this day, they're not even working with me anymore. Hey, remember that time in New Orleans? Remember we did this thing? Yeah. And, and it was the best benefit. And, and um, the only time we didn't do it and is when the ADA was in Hawaii. Oh, okay. And it wasn't because of the expense. It was the time. We couldn't take really the time far. off. Yeah. So I said, okay. I said, and this is going to be kind of funny. I said, you have a choice of any place in the country. I'll take you to some place in the country, just not the same time as the ADA. Yeah. Chicago. 
So they wanted to come here. They came to Chicago. So we, we worked it out. But we always have to have CE. Yeah. So we actually worked it out. We found a, a time that Gordon Christensen was actually teaching in Chicago. Mm. So everybody had to come to Gordon's course. Nice. And then we spent another two days. They went shopping and stuff. So I gave them some shopping money. But since they know, every year they knew that we we're going to go to San Francisco. We we're going to yeah, go yeah. to. They had a savings they account. Saved it up. In the office, and we the office had a savings account too. So every week we put, let's say we put a hundred dollars to this account. So I'm ready to go to San Francisco. I have four thousand dollars in my account. Yeah. So it was it was it was a no-brainer, and and even you know, and I can't say that this is a harmonious staff. Everybody didn't love everybody. Sure. But after this, after they were away for a week in San Francisco or wherever it was, they kind of did. Yeah. Or, or things got worse. It brings people <laughs> together or it really pushes them apart. Yeah. So Are there any, like, key things that you can say that every employer should do? Like, you sh aside from taking people on trips... There's a lot of people it's right now listening to you cursing because their team members are going to send yeah, them yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. and say, like, well, you know, Dr. Paul takes his team every year. I, think I mean, it's a lot more than 500 bucks per person these days. But Actually, if you figured it out, you might. It's, it's actually not that much. But anyway, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's the personality of the practitioner, to yeah. be honest with you. So everybody's going to have a certain – if you are the boss, and sometimes you have to be the boss – I never, I never took that on. I just never took that on. I mean, there were, I've, I can't imagine. I don't remember any conflicts or, or times where I said, "Here's the rules. You have to do this." I mean, we, we, uh, everybody, we, we set the office up all together. We all did everything together. Yeah. In, in, in uh, you know, and, and, and there's a business of the office. You come in, you have to do your work and do is the hygienist. You have to do whatever you have to do there, and the office manager has to do whatever she has to do there, or he has to do there. Um, so I, it's hard because it's every dentist has a different personality. I have a certain flamboyant personality. It just bleeds into everything I do. So I, I really, it'd be hard for me to say you should do what I did because mm -hmm. I don't think people can do what I did or do. Well, everyone's the, different, yeah, right? Yeah, so that's a hard question. That's a real hard question. I, and I, that's why I don't teach practice management. Yeah. You know, I'll go see Lois Banther or somebody like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about dentistry today. How did you get, how did you begin Okay, so was that your first step no. out of clinical dentistry? No. Let's take it back there. What was your first I step out of clinical dentistry or adjacent to clinical so dentistry? So because of my background, this is way back before Bill Gates was a relevant person, computers were coming out to do things. And I, I understood what they did. I was one of the few people who understood it. So in the 1970s, late 70s, this is before PCs, I found a company in Utah that made a computer and it had dental software. That was really simple software. It just took care of billing and things like that. But I put this crazy machine in my office. It cost a fortune. My friends are buying cars. Yeah. And I bought this computer. Hmm. And I was so thrilled. And so all of a sudden, people coming to me saying, Paul, what does this thing do? How does this work? So I ended up teaching different little meetings like the Yankee Dental Conference, things like that, on how to use a computer in your practice, things like no that. No way. And then it, cool. as things evolved, as computers became PCs came in, I actually gave a course a couple of times where I'd bring a computer into the room and say, this is a computer. And there's something when you're buying a computer that has something called memory. So I ripped the cover off the computer and said, this is the memory and this is the hard drive. And I would do, it, was, it was a guy named Gallagher. He used to rip up, he was a yeah. comedian. So I'd rip the computer apart and throw, throw all the pieces. So, so when you're buying a computer, you have a hard drive that's this size and a memory thing that's this much. And as that was, as that was going on, there was dental software being developed. Right. So the software companies found out about me, and they say, Paul, listen, we're writing some dental software, but we don't understand this. We saw this thing. It's called the 30 Mod. 
<laughs> I go, 30 mod? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's a tooth number. And then MOD is a thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was able so to speak. So you were teaching the computer geeks yeah. what dental geeks knew. Exactly, so exactly. You were, you were bridging the gap between the two. And so I was so teaching software. Were you software. the first one teaching software on dental? I think there so, were, Was there, there anyone else? There were about three of us. There were three people. Larry Emmett was one. Barry Freiberg was one. Claudio Lovato. These are the names that the elders would probably know. Um, and so we, we so because we knew each other, we, we, we could talk to each other, we became the tech lecturers. And then we brought in uh, other people uh, Marty, who currently like you know, Marty Jablow and, and uh, John Flukey. Yeah. And we all worked as a team. But I have to give a thank you out, a uh, shout out to a dentist named David Dodell who lives in, uh, in Arizona. David understood the internet before the internet existed. Wow. And he set up a group on this pre-internet internet thing of dentists who could actually go online. There was no online, but we were able to use these things called modems and talk to yeah. each other. And he set up something called the Internet Dental Forum. And there are still to this day members of this Internet Dental Forum who we all met online through this Dr. David Dodell, huh. who's now the head of a, of uh, the school in Arizona. Um, oh, God, what's the name of the school? Uh, he'll kill me. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's in charge of all the and he goes around to all the different dental schools and teaches them how to do IT and things okay. like that anyway so David set up the internet dental forum and then we, so we so we all never met each other yeah and then he said let's have a big meeting so we had a meeting I think in DC or something and we all met each other for the first time wow and to this day at this meeting I've been pumping into people from the internet dental from forum same group so it's but that also gave us more visibility so the ADA found us yeah the American Dental Association found us and said hey we'd like some people from the internet dental forum to teach digital dentistry whatever it was at the time that, ver <coughs> that version of yeah. digital dentistry the version we have now of digital dentistry is yeah. very very different and, and so it's just I've just evolved 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 and then the manufacturers will come to me and they say we're putting a computer into this thing called the laser and, and you know what do you think about that and we have this new thing called the intraoral camera yeah and so what do you think about that? the first intraoral camera i saw was twenty five thousand dollars wow. this big box like this and and so they, they they drop it off in my office they try this out and let us know if it works you know so my office always had stuff coming in and out i'd, I'd get wow. to try out new, new toys and so you were part of <laughs> some pretty big conversations very early on oh yeah yeah and then the, how I guess do you stay humble and cool when <laughs> when you can you look at us like you do you walk around here looking at all of the people and you're like i i was the person that helped implement this and in, into its inception and well, now I you're here i'll give you, I'll give you feeling a good like a big boss but like <laughs> let me tell you about the time where well, this was in my hands I'll, I'll tell you about the time early on in the development of intraoral scanning yeah i worked with a group from mit in boston and we invented our, our own scanner. Okay. The first intraoral scanner. It was called the Bronte scanner. I was the clinical director, basically. So the engineers would sit in my office and they'd say, how's this camera supposed to go? Well, it has to be small enough to get into the back of the mouth. Okay, we'll make it smaller. Um, what's a margin mean? I said, well, the margin's the thing around the back side of the tooth. So, and what he had to make a cap. So I would, I would be directing them and they would just sit in the computer and go, okay, we got that. And they'd say, okay, do the scan. Let's make a crown. We make the crown. I go, oh, the margins are wrong. What's wrong? Too big. Hang on a minute. Psh, try it again. You know, well, let's do the contacts. So we developed this, this, this brand new scanner, and we would bring it to the marketplace. And I have to Did laugh. you bring it to consumer, or did you we just try and sell it? No, no. We wanted, to, we wanted to do it. And the two founders were two young, really brilliant guys who are still out there doing things. And because they put the team together. They got me, and they got the guys from MIT, and the gals, and everybody else. 
And one day, they got a knock on the door, and it's, it's like, hi, I'm, I'm 3M. No way. And they go, hi, what do you want? They go, well, we're interested in your technology, and we'd like to purchase it. And they go, it's not for sale because we, it's not finished. And they go, what do you mean it's not for sale? We're 3M. <laughs> <laughs> they go, well, you know, wh- what are you going to do? They go, well, how would you like $95 million? What? <laughs> and the guys go, okay, it's for sale. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> Stop. So they sold the scanner. So that's the three shape. Was no, that? No, it's no called, it's, uh, it was called Lava COS. Lava COS. Okay. And then it yeah, became yeah. True Definition. True Def. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to this day, I still have some minor pieces of the puzzle. The problem that happened was they moved everything out to Minnesota. Yeah. So they lost connection. They lost then. all my engineers from MIT. <gasps> the MIT guys and gals did not want to move to Minnesota oh, from it's Boston. Very cold. <laughs> I mean, it's cold in Boston too. But no, it's, it's not even colder. that. I mean, Boston's Boston. And yeah. yeah. And, a lot. You know, so a lot of these people actually have wow. gone to work for a company called Form Labs, which is a 3D printer company. Interesting. So uh, and, and we're still in con- yeah, we're all, still so that's so so when you ask me that question, I can walk around and go to the medic booth or the or the, or the three shape booth or the plan <coughs> mecca booth yeah. or any of these booths and, that and, have and, and be but like, they I, but I, they know who I am too. So and uh, so I've worked with the founders of Itero. I worked with the founders of Three Shape. I've worked you know, and we'd sit sit around. We go to like there's a conference in Germany called the IDS show. Yeah. Sit Are around you going? It's next week, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I sit around with the CEO, the CEO of Three Shape, the two, these two founders, and so what do you think, Paul? I go, well, you know, you, got, you guys are in black and white. You should be in color. They go, all right, we'll do that. You know, <laughs> things like that. It's really cool. So, I, but the, the problem for me now is because I'm, I can't be the top expert in this stuff. So yeah. I'm, at this point in the in that world, I have enough information to give to the dentist or the hygienist or the assistant that wants to learn the basics yeah but people have gone way past me now with taking the technology to places i've never been to yeah and so i can't say uh, so when did that happen was there ever a moment in your career where you're like this is probably where i'm going to be where i'm going to land and you know the young young ones are nipping at your feet trying to get your spots not really excuse me they're not really getting my spots they're just taking what i've brought to the marketplace and just pushed it out to other limits. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know how a 3D printer works, but I don't know. So I, I, I watch videos from some of the people they post and, and they, they throw this crazy software and you can do this and do the mouth yeah. guard this way and this. And it's cool stuff. I just don't have the energy at this point to go that far. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. <laughs> you mean? But, but I'm, I'm, st- I'm still respected. They yeah. still respect me. Of course me. you are. Oh, I'm, like the, su- I'm like the grandpa. You're, you're not, you know, you're <laughs> extremely respected, and that's, I mean, that's why but I, I, res- want, <coughs> I but wanted I res- you I res- here today. But I respect course. them. So, I mean, I, I try to find, and so, with, and you asked me about the magazine, so let me back it up. So, right now with the magazine, I'm in charge of clinical content. Right. So, I'm scouring. I look at Instagram and Facebook and all these different places. And I find new young dentists who are unbelievable. Right. And I track them down. And I say, how would you like to write an article about this scanner, about this, this 3D printing, and bring them in? And um, you'll, you'll see a difference in the magazine to a certain extent where these, the old standards are still important. I mean, there's, there's still important people that are sitting out there, but there's some young talent that yeah. I'm discovering and bringing them into the magazine and their peers are going, wow, that guy's like 30 years old, and he's on the cover of the magazine. Yeah, I'm, that's still one of my bucket lists. One day <laughs> I will be on the cover. But, the, but the, the, the short story of how I got to that is through the lecturing and all this other stuff, I started writing articles. I wrote for a very small piece of paper, or a, a little um, handout for a while. It was called Tools Are Us. A guy named Dr. Robert Davis, and a few of us, Marty Jablo and John Fluke, also wrote for this. So we wrote little stories. And the next thing you know... 
I get I get start writing a larger article, and dental economics said, "Hey, how would you like to write a column for us?" Mm. I said, "What do I have to do?" They go, "Well, just every month, just show up with a column." I go, "Oh, that's easy. Yeah, every month." So the day before it's due, I'm like, "Oh, well, I didn't write anything <laughs> this month. Oh no, what am so, I gonna do?" So Dr. Joe Blaze had faith in me, and he said, "I'll make you the technology editor of Dental Economics." This is probably in somewhere in the early '90s, somewhere in there, and then. Uh, when it became the year 2000, I had to write articles about that transition when it was the, uh, what do they call it, the, um, the turnover to 2000. Oh, God. What's Millennium. That? Yeah, that, that whole thing. When Y2K, yeah, when that we was thought it. all sorry. of the computers were going to explode. Yeah. Wow, there, we go. there goes yeah, my yeah. brain. So, so I got you. Don't do, worry, so I got do, you. So do the math. If I've written an article every single month since the early, you know, the mid-90s through a certain point, and then uh, one day... The uh, editor-in-chief of Dentistry Today tracked me. He stopped me in the street in Manhattan at the Greater New York meeting. He goes, I think you should write for us instead. Wow. <laughs> is that how that, that was going to be my question, is how did that happen? How did you leave? Do you uh, still write for DE? I don't, I don't no, think. No, no yeah, but I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm, I'm best of friends with the whole, with the sure. all the people. There's the people who were there before. And, yeah. And also Pam Yaniz was the new editor-in-chief. Yeah. And Chris Salerno. We're all very good friends. Yeah. But, you know, Jim Ratcliffe had some confidence in me. He says, you know, we were a bigger platform. He gave me a, he gave me a sales pitch. Which is, yeah. And he says, you know. And plus, we'll put you on the cover. Oh, you got okay, a cover. Okay, you the got, cover. You, you got, got me a cover. You got a deal. So I was the technology writer for the de for Dentistry Today for many, many years. Yeah. My editor-in-chief was Den Damon Adams, who was a wonderful, and is still a wonderful friend, and a, by the way, a, f a very highly polished uh, concert pianist. Oh. I mean, unbelievable. Wow. Uh, very top, top shelf. Anyway, he said, I'm retiring, Paul. Hmm. I said, oh. He said, well, you know, Jim's looking for a new, you know, top of the thing. And he had a couple of people in mind. You know, one of the people in mind. I said, I don't have time. He said, oh, you just read articles. I go, all right, I could do that. <laughs> well, that's not what it is. No. But so, I, so it's been a couple of years now. I took that over. Yeah. So what's happened What's the most challenging <laughs> thing about your job? <laughs> having <laughs> having the writers get to the, uh, the articles to me on time. Really? <laughs> we have deadlines. And also, yeah. I'm, I'm a, I have to floor plan every issue. So sure. every issue has to have a certain number of articles and has to have Sponsors. a certain... Sponsors. No, that's not me. No? no you don't no, do any sponsorship? No, 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 no. It's, it's, in, the ba it's in the background. This you still have to hold the place when you're placing out your... You need to know, you know, you don't do nope. any of that at nope. all? Someone else does that? Yep. I'll, 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 let me, I'll be very honest, and this goes to all the magazines that you read. This is a magazine. It's a for-profit magazine. Dental Economics, Dental Products Report, you know, all these magazines, yeah. Dental Town. In each of the magazines, uh, my editorial uh, position is to bring the clinical content. So I'll find authors, I'll find old authors, new authors, write me an article. But I, I, one request I have is if you do a procedure, at least tell the readers what product you use. Sure. That's all. But I don't, uh, so the article comes in, we, we, we put the article in print in, in certain format, and at that point, there's a crew at the magazine and says, oh, this person used a three-shape scanner, so why don't we just let three-shape know that Dr. So-and-so would use the three-shape scanner, and so they can go to three-shape and say, um, you know, would you like to support Dr. So-and-so's article? Mm -hmm. But that's that's behind me. I can't, that yeah, can't be yeah, in yeah. front of me, because no. I, I can't be 
pushed around by manufacturers. Yeah. So it gets me in trouble sometimes. I mean, I, sometimes I'll put in an article that has no product in it. Uh -oh. And they go, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's not, but it's, 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 it's But that, if it's a um, good article, it's yeah, a good article. No, it doesn't have anything like, to do with it. Yeah, who cares? But, but these mag every magazine has, they, they, it costs money to print paper and sure. all this stuff. So Distribution, but, shipping. But I'm not, but I'm, I'm not the, the marketing person. I never was a marketing person. So. And if I get like just now with this dental meeting here, I saw a new company. Yeah. And they said, "Well, how can we? They how can we? You know, get our product in the magazine?" Yeah. I said, "Well, you have two ways. You can have one of the clinicians write an article for me, or you can talk to this particular person who mm -hmm. handles your area, and they can do an advertisement for your new product, or we can do a, a little bit of a blend. So that's huh. that's how it all works. Interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that journey with us. Yeah. I think we're going to do our part two on this. Uh, I want to talk to you about your, your lecture about drop-in impression material. Do that quick part two. And then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get everyone to come back to part two with Dr. Paul. Stay tuned. Oh, hi. So you made it all the way to the end. Thank you for sticking around. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, found it informative, entertaining, and of course, as per usual, find me hilarious. If you liked what you heard, it would really mean a lot to me if you could show your support by liking, commenting, or sharing this episode with a friend or family member. Your feedback and engagement helped me get on the mic today, and it would also improve our future shows and reach more people who maybe could benefit from our content as well. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to my podcast on your favorite platform or on YouTube. Follow along on this crazy journey with me at toothlife.irene and at toothordare.podcast on Instagram and Twitter. That way you'll be the first to know when episodes are released and you won't miss a beat. I appreciate your support and look forward to bringing you more great episodes in the future. From my team to yours, thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the flip side.